Konnichiwa. And hey, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo Kaboom, where we talk about all things sumo. And this week, first off, I would like to make a correction to something I said last week. I'm so sorry, you guys. I said last week that Onosho was the first person to get his kachikoshi. I was so not right. I, he was third. For shame. I know. Shame. Shame. So it all happened so quickly. There were like four fights there in a row. Three of the guys got their kachikoshi. The first one to actually get it was Wakataka Kage, followed by Toby Zaru, and then Onosho. That's okay. We were all excited about Onosho. And let it just be known that no one contacted us to tell us that you made this mistake. It's only you. So you're begging I've... forgiveness to yourself, essentially. <laughs> Nobody else seemed to care. But it's out. It's out. You've it's officially out. apologized, yes. and I'm you were very so, sorry for I'm, this awful gaffe. Yeah. Those guys all got it on the same day. It's all good. Yeah. You are forgiven. Okay, I forgive you. you. Thank you. After watching so much great sumo in the last Basho, we started to wonder about how these guys get into the sport. We got really curious this week about sumo clubs. Amateur sumo, also known as international sumo, and we thought we'd dive into this world this week. Now, we've talked about this before on our podcast, and we have interviewed a couple of competitors in international sumo, one of which we're going to bring back today. But we want to talk about sumo, judo, jujitsu, and Texas's consulate cup which is an amateur sumo event that's coming up this Saturday, October 10th. So we're going to give you a whole bunch of info this week. A whole bunch of stuff. It may ramble a bit, but we're going to talk a whole bunch about it. But first, news flash. This is the news I'm sure none of you have heard, but Shodai is officially an Ozeki. This is exciting. It was a big event, televised through Zoom for a live audience, which I really appreciated. Me too. Because it gave us foreigners the ability to watch it from start to fish. From, it gave, from start to fish, you are right. Yeah. From start you know to big from fish. From start to big fish. Right. What I liked was the awkward standing around. They spent way too much time letting us watch what goes on behind the scenes, but I loved it. But. It actually helped me understand why I love those fish photos so much because everybody has the funniest smile on their face while they're holding up those fish and it hadn't occurred to me until I watched the Shodai thing just how heavy a fish is and how awkward it is to hold it out at arm's length while people are taking your pictures for ages and ages so they always have a slightly pleasant yeah that's hard to do they have a strange but goofy smile on their face all the time and now I know why it's because that fish that's right Well, his parents were also at the Ozeki promotion, so they hurried down, and his mother had some really delightful things to say about sweet Shodai. She said he was a very big baby at almost eight pounds, which is pretty big baby. This was like a little tidbit that I was like, I love that she said this. He was ravenous for breast milk. His mother said she could not (laughs) keep up with his demand, and he would cry and cry until he was fed. But she also said about him, he was an honest kid, good at listening to others, but had zero drive to practice sumo. Mm -hmm. And like he wanted to just watch anime like any kind of kid would. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after his first year at college when he really found his fighting sumo spirit. 
And so it was really neat to hear kind of from his parents and how proud they are of him. As they should be. As they should be. Now, Asanoyama, on the other hand, is back in the stable and he is busting it out. He is already practicing. He's doing suyashi, teppo, shiko at practice. He has expressed that he was so disappointed in the last boss show. And I believe, honestly, a new rivalry has begun because he said he was annoyed that, annoyed, those are the words, annoyed that Shodai became an Ozeki. And Asanoyama wanted to be kind of the wall that Shodai couldn't get through. And so he is back at practice and he is like Rocky Balboa. He is preparing himself for future matches with Shodai. I love it. He was so disappointed, he said, by being kind of tossed around by Shodai. And he was kind of surprised on day 14, just how brutal it kind of was. And he was like, I'm not going to lose anymore. So his coach is retiring soon and he wants another Yusho win for himself and for his coach's honor. So I think we're going to see a very spunky Asanoyama in November. I'm excited to see three Ozekis. In other news... This is completely unrelated to Sumo. Great. I got an email. I'm not sure if you checked it, saying that we are of the top five English language sumo wrestling podcasts. We are in the top five. In what country? In America. In America? Yeah. Well, I've seen it in like Indonesia. Well, I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. So basically, this company goes out, it tells podcasts how they're doing in the rankings and they're like congratulations in our ranking system oh (laughs) you are number five or number three or something like that right and you're like oh yay and they're like by the way please tag us in all your publicity you know and then you go oh wait so they just get a whole bunch of publicity for us being on their list which is just them going to apple podcasts and just being like yeah they're in the top three or whatever there was at one point we showed up as number seven in sports in Indonesia. And I thought that was really funny because I thought, I wonder if there's only like seven English speaking podcasts yeah. in Indonesia. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is I also discovered in their ranking system that we are ranked number 10 as far as sports podcasts go in Bulgaria. So that's right behind, I don't know, the the great big Bulgarian luge podcast. <laughs> and in you know, the high number of number 231 in all areas in Bulgaria. So we are up there. We are the 231st I'm in sure Bulgarian that... podcast, right behind Bulgaria's Best Sausage podcast. I'm sure that's like top 10% of podcasts in Bulgaria. I'm just positive. I d- I'm just positive. Right. And well, and don't forget, we are 195th in Poland as far as sports <laughs> co- podcasts go. We're rocking so it. That is nothing to sneeze at. That's right. We're probably right behind Poland's top podcast on competitive toe wrestling. So yep. anyway, I wanted to bring you guys the really good news on that. Okay, there's going to be no spring sumo tour this year either. Okay, basically due to coronavirus, the JSA loves to always have board meetings and this week decided to cancel the spring tour as well. So... This year, next year, it seems like we're going to have a full year without sumo tours in Japan. But John Gunning this week said something interesting in his article about how this 
COVID crisis is going to affect Sumo and Sumo is relatively, it still has a small audience. It's going to affect the popularity of the sport and the Sumo tours go to all types of small towns, all types of places for people to interact with the wrestlers. And when you don't have that, you kind of lose possibly a generation of kids that may look up to a wrestler, may have access to a wrestler and they're mentoring, or even if it's one day at a tour, they're not going to have that. And so his worry was more just kind of like, what's this going to do to another generation? Will these kids fall out? And will they find another sport like baseball that's outdoors, that's easier to do? Will they find another interest and kind of sumo might be affected by this? Which leads me to the main course of our podcast. Do you want to say something before I jump in? About baseball? No. (laughs) No, you're doing great. Thanks. So you may remember we did an episode a while back on amateur sumo and spoke to two heavy hitters within the amateur sumo world in the USA, Justin Kazard and Mariah Holmes. And as I was researching, I was interested to know how all this amateur stuff works and how it all actually feeds into the professional world. And I wondered in local sumo competitions across the world, is it possible for potential wrestlers to feasibly be scouted and one day join professional ranks. Mm -hmm. I got a sense that the tournaments here in the U.S. overall are mostly filled with hobbyists with determination and real talent, but also perhaps people with real ambitions also to meddle on the competitive amateur stage and carve the way for maybe future generations by increasing Sumo's visibility here in the States. And most of our teams in the U.S. have a lot of wrestlers who are probably like I said, in this for fun, camaraderie and love of the sport. And I love this about this community. The wrestlers, though, a lot of them are probably too old to join the sumo world. You can join basically up to 23, 25. There have been older in Mm -hmm. generations past, up to 27, but that's like very unlikely. Mm -hmm. But it got me thinking about, you know, there's a lot of natural talent out there and no one really to mentor except for a rare few that um, like Justin had practiced with Mm -hmm. on the West Coast, some real wrestlers that kind of found their second career moving to the U.S. and training young wrestlers in Los Angeles or wherever and teaching them that the real way of sumo. But the thing is, we have all these competitions all over the world. And how are our guys and girls in the U.S. uh, similar to those or different? And how are some of these competitions like an actual scouting event for future Rikishi in other countries? And I seem to remember watching Akibono's rise and how he essentially joined after he was scouted at a funeral Mm -hmm. (laughs) by somebody who was like, this big kid could have a future in sumo. He, in two years, got into the top division, not really having a lot of sumo in his background, and then in five years was a Yokozuna. So is that possible in America, in the mainland? Is it possible to get somebody to join a sumo club at 18 or 20 or 23 and actually be good enough to be scouted on the international amateur stage to be sent off to Tokyo and maybe practice sumo there and actually be a real contender? Right. That's well, that's my question. I was just going to say one of the main differences is, as I understand it, most kids in Japan study a martial art in school. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of martial arts that they might study in school, everything mm-hmm. from judo to archery to, you know, all sorts of things. Uh, sumo being one of them. 
And we don't have that in American schools. We're not studying martial arts in school. Yeah, People we... are doing it because they want to outside of school. Right. But it's not part of our curriculum. So I would think that have that would have something to do with the lack of Americans right. in the professional field but right But I now. sit there and I think, okay, well, it's not unusual that some of these people, you know, there are people who studied like Tochinoshin we'll talk about later who studied mm-hmm. judo, judo when he was sambo when he was younger and some of the other foreign wrestlers did the same and Mongolians with their traditional Mongolian wrestling mm-hmm. they grew up with it but then again we have football so why can't we take a lineman <laughs> you know in so many ways, why couldn't we take that and transfer that over into sumo? I but, don't know. Football seems very different than wrestling to me. I mean, in football, but our kids also do wrestling. It's just some, diff- yeah, but they don't study it in school throughout. There's is what wrestling I'm teams in school. As I read, I could be totally off on this, but as I read about like sumo and martial arts culture in Japan. It seems like it's compulsory that kids have to join up. We have we, we all do the same though. We play volleyball, we play baseball, we play basketball. Know. It's very different sports that aren't contact sports. But there are some like football that are contact sports. So well, I but would a think contact it would transfer over quite easily. But a contact sport is different than a wrestling sport. I am going to give football players a chance. <laughs> you clearly aren't, but I'm going to say that it's possible. Somebody can learn something in five years if they have natural talent, right? <laughs> Somebody who's 18 who's maybe had experience in football yes. as a lineman or a center or something. You can learn these techniques. How good they're going to be, who knows? Okay, so after scouring the internet, going down rabbit holes, I was trying to read up on local sumo competitions in foreign countries. And how it kind of appears to me is that it ebbs and flows in popularity with certain countries. And I think that's year to year. And I think that's actually directly related to how visible sumo is and what channels choose to air it. I mean, that's definitely the case for us. Mm -hmm. So it's just not out there for people to see or for young people to know that this is an actual sport that you could study and participate in. So how does that young kid make their dream happen? How does that person outside of Japan make that dream happen? And I think it's through these little small tournaments they're small in the scale compared to non-professional. Japan. Non-professional. Let's call them that. Yeah. That eventually might lead you to the worldwide amateur sumo stage. So how did wrestlers like Tochinoshin from Georgia get into sumo? How did all of the Mongolians get into sumo? Well, there's a bit of a backstory here on just how the Mongolians came to the sumo world. Popularity within Japan was waning, except for within the older generations of Japanese who really loved the sport. Mm -hmm. And so baseball and other sports took off in popularity and kids were playing that. And to be honest, a lot of kids in Japan were like, this sumo thing and the training (laughs) regimen is not up. Yeah, it's pretty tough. It takes a lot of mental strength. And also a lot of kids were just embarrassed to show their butt you know, mm-hmm. with the Mawashi on. So in Mongolia, there was a scouting tour about 20 years ago, and the JSA decided to go to Mongolia to find some talent. So when the JSA sponsored the event, it brought out over 300 boys who mm-hmm. could possibly win this opportunity to go to Japan. And six boys were chosen. These kids were used to a harsher life They were used to hard physical labor from a very young age in Mongolia. And so sumo was like, okay, it was hard mentally, but it was not an impossible pill to swallow. 
For many years, it was only Japanese wrestlers that were dominating in sumo. Of course, it's the national sport of Japan. But this Hawaiian contingency also came into play, and the Mongolians also came into play as some of the most successful sumo stories as of recently, which creates more sumo wrestlers for the future. Not as much the case in our country, except we have a little group here in Texas that is really... It's growing. Yeah, and that's exciting. I think that there's a lot of forward momentum with sumo, but it really does take an effort all over the country to grab a lot of people's attention. So I think this is a great, great thing. I just want to say, you know, don't look down your nose at anyone who is competing at an international sumo event or an amateur sumo event, whatever you want to call it, because this is where the professional guys come from. Right. It's a very important part of the process. It's a feeder event. It is. To the professional sumo world. I mean, if you look at Japan's team for 2014 World Sumo Championships, right? This is amateur sumo. That team consisted of Mitakeyumi, Taka Keisho, Enho, Hokuto Fuji, and Yutakayama. All of them were on that amateur sumo team, and they've gone on to be in professional sports. Same with Endo, Ichinojo, Tochinoshin, Asanayama. A lot of those guys went through these youth or amateur systems and are now on that big professional stage. It's a real critical part of the like building a whole healthy sumo system that eventually gets people into the professional world so we can watch them on TV right. all over the world. Right. I think that overall this is a feeder system. You just have to get all the players in the room to be able to compete and learn from each other. Yeah. And then who knows, one day you might have a real champion on your hands. Absolutely. No matter where they come from. Absolutely. You know, sumo is international and we don't always think that, I mean, for me, it's not always in the front of my mind that there are a whole bunch of sumo wrestlers from like Africa. But just so you know, of all the contingencies that feed into this international sumo amateur competition, there are 14 African countries that participate, 22 Asian countries that participate, 27 European countries that participate, and seven South American countries that are listed. So Mm. um, that's a lot of people all over the world Mm -hmm. working in these small competitions in their own country and then hopefully making it to the worldwide stage to compete. Yeah, it makes me think of Brazil. I mean, yes. sumo is very big in Brazil. Right. And and that comes from also the Brazilian jiu-jitsu world. Right. There's a lot of interest coming from there, too. But, of course, all of that fed into Kaisei. And I would say leading the way in developing this Japanese martial art in the United States is Justin Kazart. Yes. Who is teaching, training, really working to develop the USA sumo side of it from Texas. Yeah. Which is super exciting. And he has put together the Consulate Cup, which is taking place outside of Austin and online this coming Saturday, October 10th. Also, one thing to note is that these competitions are open to men and women. We're so used to just only seeing televised 
men in Mm -hmm. competition. And what I really appreciate about these competitions all over the country is that we're trying to get ourselves to the Olympics one day. That's really the end goal. Which means that women need to be able to compete. And they need to be able to see it. They need to be able to learn. And Justin has a lot of incredible talent in male and female sumo wrestling that's coming to the fold and will be wrestling this weekend. But it's really important for women to see the sport to see other women competing in the sport all right i think that leads pretty well to an interview all right on the phone here we have straight from austin texas that's right justin kizart again hello again justin hello and we have Derek garza on the line owner of dark clan fight lab did i say that right Derek? that is correct Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We wanted to, um, first of all, get the word out about the Consulate Cup, which is scheduled for Saturday, October 10th. So, Justin, why don't you tell us why you decided to put this event together? Um, The event, st- well, it started off as a conversation with, the, uh, with Fukushima-san, who is the Consulate General of Japan. I met him through Texas Sake that I work with. We got to talk in, this was like a year ago. I'd been talking also with uh, another lady with AJC uh, called uh, Austin Japanese Community. And they were like, you should, you know, we should like host a sumo tournament. I was like, let's make that happen. Why don't we call it the Consulates Cup? This is a way to kind of bring awareness and a new love for the sport in a city that is very uh, open a uh, very open demographic to new and strange things here in Austin. I don't know, fate. Let me uh, meet Derek as well <laughs> and come to find out he has a love for sumo too. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Awesome. That's a perfect segue to Derek. Derek, tell us a little bit about you. I know a tiny bit from what I've read online, but I'm just going to let you introduce yourself right. and your Dark Clan Fight Lab. So, yeah, my name is Derek Garza, uh, owner of Dark Clan Fight Lab, lifelong well, I say lifelong, but I've been practicing martial arts as a kid. Always into it, you know, growing up, Van Damme was the guy for me. <laughs> so, uh, grappling since like 93. So black belt, jiu-jitsu, secondary black belt. And so, yeah, I just grew up, you know, watching the old K1 stuff. Sumo would be on at uh, you know weird times of the night on ESPN. Anything that was more like combat sports. I mean, I loved boxing. Uh, of course, when NHB came out, uh, UFC back in '93, it just kind of turned me on to grappling. So you know, as a as a martial artist, I just wanted to do, always do something that was you know advancing the skill set. When Justin brought this to me, it just seemed like something that was kind of not mainstream as far as like uh, what we do and what we consider modern mixed martial arts. But, you know, I always think grappling is grappling and I'm always trying to get my students to open their minds to judo, wrestling, sambo, and now sumo. So that's kind of how that came to be. I like doing different things and it just worked, you know? So yeah, how that came to be. Now, I don't know a lot about judo or jujitsu, but from my research, I learned that both came from Japan 
where samurai soldiers needed training to fight people with armor on if they ever lost their weapons in the field. Because you can't punch somebody if they've got armor on. You train to flip them down to the ground. You can punch. You're it just, just not. <laughs> yeah. It would just not feel very good on the knuckles. <laughs> right. So both developed to fight samurai without weapons in close quarters. That's coming from someone who's never trained in these sports. So Derek, I would love for you to explain a little bit about jujitsu, especially to someone who has never seen it. Okay. Uh, and, and then take it into, you know, how does a sport like that prepare you or does it for sumo? Okay. Um, so like historically, again, we were talking about traditionally jujitsu came from Japan, but even more that, like beyond that, it actually came from India. So it was with the samurai class when they switched over to like being a samurai was outlawed, essentially like that whole fighting warring era. And so judo came out of that. Yeah. And modern Brazilian jujitsu kind of came out of the offshoot of judo. So it was like jujitsu, judo. And then when it was developed in the modern age, uh, they wanted to pay homage to the original art. It was more the grappling art where they really focused the art of taking your opponent to the ground and submitting them. Mm-hmm. Their thought was that, you know, if you're exchanging strikes with somebody, like you're going to be at a disadvantage because somebody is bigger than you, you can have more power. But if I were able to take it to the floor, then it becomes a level playing field. So they really focused on specializing on taking the opponent to the floor and subduing them with chokes and joint locks. Then the modern age was adding strikes. So it became very prevalent and was the, the basis for mixed martial arts. Brazil, it was very popular and known as Valetudo, which translates literally to anything goes fighting. As it became more popular... People just saw how effective the grappling arts were, where, you know, as uh, as America in the 60s and 70s, everybody was like, if you knew karate, you were like a killer. But, you know, in the early 90s, when jujitsu hit the scene, it was kind of a, an eye-opening experience because they're seeing that people could punch, but once they got taken to the floor, they didn't know what they were doing. So, yeah, that, you know, it really just started the boom, you know, judo and Jiu-jitsu and Samba have been around for much longer than that, but because it now was in the mainstream eye, it really helped to develop it even further. So now people are like coming with new ideas. And so jujitsu has really just kind of, or grappling arts in general, have really taken off and they're now a staple for mixed martial arts. Interesting. Well, we were just having a discussion earlier about football players and whether or not they would be trained well for sumo. I didn't say trained well. I just said that they could possibly (laughs) be, you know, they could learn. We have, we've had several guys that came to the LA team and also some guys that came to my stable that had to have football backgrounds. They're great pushers, but they do a lot more choppy steps. I think my old coach did some kind of movie or documentary about working with a team somewhere in New York uh, in the art of sumo to help them with their tackling and increasing their efficiency in, in power. Yeah, our discussion was like, okay, all of these different forms of martial arts really feed sumo well. Yeah. Derek himself has a UT football player. He is insanely strong, tall, and and, uh, and muscular. Yeah, the thing about those guys is they're super athletes. So, I mean, you know, 
what they don't have technically, they can sometimes make up for in just sheer athleticism. Yeah. Um, once they know a little something, I mean, you know, you see it a lot of times in jiu-jitsu where like a soccer player will come in. You're like, this guy knows nothing on the ground. I'm going to have my way with him. And then you realize that guy has cardio for days. Super. <laughs> and it doesn't, he doesn't even know what he doesn't know, but it is always like he has an advantage kind of innately because he is such an athlete. Well, all of this discussion about all of this really goes back to the potential for future wrestlers in the U.S. and how do we farm these guys and girls and girls to say there's some amazing female talent out there. How do our competitions like the Consulate Cup and things like that help bring visibility, but also help potential wrestlers find the sport? Right. My main goal is, is, you know, bringing awareness, but number two, giving other people options to realize I can be good at this too. I mean, we're, we're in Texas. There's some, you know, there's some big guys and girls here genetically. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so most of them, they think they're, they're like, okay, well, I'm big. And they're only outlet that you know their their parent you know if they're high school or whatever their parents just say you know you're gonna get into football this is like another avenue for you know someone with you know larger size and strength and there's there's enough you know really awesome untapped potential here in texas i think that um stuff like the consulates cup really gives people that would never have the opportunity to do this. They see it on TV. All of a sudden, you're having jiu-jitsu schools like ourselves and other schools having these friendly rivalries that are like, we're going to do this thing. We always kind of meet on the mat. Now we're doing this thing that we don't know how to do, but we know we can be good at that. It kind of organically brings us interest. And, you know, it's mixing in where you have like now these actual sumo guys that are being really welcoming to other disciplines it's again just adding another element to the whole mixed martial arts thing where you know like like bruce lee said it's like you take the things that are useful and you discard the rest and now you're seeing people because they have grappling backgrounds get into sumo and now you're seeing sumo guys like the other day one of justin's guys and justin uh, also was doing one of our jujitsu seminars so i think it's a beautiful thing to get all the arts involved and it does bring awareness to this new thing. Well, it's not new. It's just new to us. Both of these arts or all of these arts, they definitely deserve the respect. And I love that we in Austin, at least with this, are kind of the tip of the spear. It's going to definitely bring more interest to other gyms and stuff where sumo, even though it's like like on the schedule a little bit right now, I see it where people are just going to want to do it and it'll be in the future. Yeah, we hope so. The fact that this new but not new sport, it becomes a neutral ground for other judo people, uh, jiu-jitsu people, MMA people, boxers, all martial arts. Like this is kind of this tournament is like a neutral ground to evolve, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, state of combat arts right now is very much in line with the internet. So I think... Because of it, everybody thinks they needed to make a name for themselves by talking shit or, you know, just that's kind of how mixed martial arts is right now. And it's leaked into jujitsu a lot. So people are these personalities where they're just big and they're making a lot of noise. But when, you know, Justin brings sumo and introduces it to us and we're coming in and we're bowing, we're doing this like traditional things. Not that I'm saying we need to go back to like tradition, but it's just a beautiful thing to now have like this respect and it's truly like a neutral playing field because nobody 
that he's brought it to, with the exception of actual sumo wrestlers, knows what we're doing. We're all kind of just winging it and, you know, hoping for the best, but it's a beautiful thing. It it feels like being a new martial artist again. And I, I really appreciate that. Hey. The base undercurrent should be that, you know, people are respectful of each other. And maybe it's just different because in mixed martial arts, somebody's trying to cave your face in. Um, <laughs> I get that. I think in addition to that, I would like, I like the aspect of respect. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to change it. I'm just, just what I like, you know. Are you competing in this consulate cup that's coming up? I'm helping Justin out. I was going to figure out if I was going to do it that day, to be honest with you, which I'm leaning toward just jumping in and, and doing it. Uh, but this came along and I'm like, there's there's no downside to this. Like if I win, that's awesome. You know, it's like, wow, he's a black belt that does ventures out and does a different art. And if I lose, I should lose because I don't actually know anything. You know, I don't know actual sumo techniques and stuff. It really is just like, a reverence for learning something and learning this new art. Um, there's no expectation. So to answer your question in a, in a short and concise way, yes, I'm probably going to do that. And, and the consulate cup as a competition is open to people who have studied things like jujitsu and uh-huh. maybe not have studied sumo yet, but are interested. Correct. Yeah, it is an open invitation. So the event will be live streamed on multiple platforms on uh, on Facebook Live. Find our page, Dark Circle Sumo. If they find and subscribe to us on uh, YouTube at Dark Circle Sumo, and for the young the young cool kids, we are also on Twitch at Dark Circle Sumo. Nice. So I love it. Very simple. We'll have an opening Fukushima-san, the General Consulate of Japan is filming uh, a short video to open the event. And then we will get right into it. If people are in Austin, though, they can come see this. Yeah, there are still tickets available and you can still come and see it. If you went to our Facebook page, you know, click on our events. It's the only one, Consulates Cup. And there's a button that says, you know, get tickets now. And that'll lead you to Eventbrite. Uh, Same thing if they went to darkcirclesumo.com. And then we have a calendar on the homepage. And if they go to October 10th, click on that. If you are competing, there's another button that says sign up. And the cutoff is when we get to is basically weigh-ins, uh, which weigh-ins start at 9 o'clock the 10th on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but those are all the places you can find us. Oh, also, in the live feed, if you care to contribute, uh, you can leave your contribution there and uh, help us reach our, you know, uh, zero goal. Uh, just wanted to say, if you guys are coming to visit us, uh, you know, we're, we definitely have your safety in mind. We're doing temperature checks. We're asking that you guys wear a mask. We, we want everybody to feel comfortable coming in and really opening our space so that people can feel at home. We are sponsored by Texas Sake, giving cases upon cases of sake. So there's, I mean, unless everyone's heavy drinkers, like I, I doubt that would run out. And so that is complimentary with your VIP ticket as well. We also have, uh, we're providing with food. So we're all, we have five different types of onigiri that is provided by a company called Samurais. 
Oh, that's so awesome. This sounds like this is going to be an amazingly fun event. And the after party with all the sake could oh, be off yeah, the that, chain. That is true. That is, if you <laughs> hadn't had enough sake, uh, the after party is going to be at Texas Sake. And give us your overall sense of the kind of wrestlers that you've been seeing locally. Like, how are they strong? How are they comparing with wrestlers on the West Coast? Who's really got a shot at like going to Sumo Worlds? Just give us kind oh, of an man. overview. Well, not to brag, but I mean, my my heavyweight that's from our stable, I think mm-hmm. he's got a serious shot. He's going to have to go against the number two in the country, which is uh, his name is Jose. Uh, and he's out of the L.A. team. He's he's pretty darn good. I know for a fact for the women's heavies, Eros is definitely the one to beat. She is the number one in the country and also part of Dark Circle Sumo. The men's lightweight is stacked. It's going to be exciting. I'm really, really excited to see this female middleweight that's coming in from uh, from New Mexico because I really want to see how that transfers. She's actually a friend of one of my students. And it's an interesting story because I believe she was about 300 pounds, uh, lost a bunch of weight, started doing jiu-jitsu and MMA, no way. and found a sumo, and basically is like coming in for that. So I just thought it's a pretty amazing story, you know, um, to do sumo after that. Wow. This is going to be exciting. And we have to continue to get this sport visible to women. It made me so excited that uh, that the fact that she's coming in, I really think that's going to be a nice rallying cry. Like, Oh, snap. I could do this, too. Like, I'm I'm so excited that she's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell us to wrap up here? Um, If you guys are visiting Austin, you guys want to do some jujitsu. We have multiple black belts. We have a really friendly environment, uh, 3,500 square feet of mat space and a 5,000 square foot facility. Darkland Fight Lab, uh, you guys come through. We would love to have you. We're doing all the temperature checks, making sure everybody's safe. And, uh, you know, just trying to provide something really stable in the community while we're doing this uh, craziness called coronavirus. But, uh, yeah, please hit us up, darklandfightlab.com. You can follow us on Instagram at darklandfightlab. You can follow me at DG The Darkness. And I just want to say thank you, Sumo Kaboom, for having me on. Thank you, Justin Kizzard, for bringing this to my attention. I appreciate you. And I would say thank you, Sumo Kaboom, and thank you to Fukushima-san, arigatou gozaimasu, uh, for actually letting us throw this in your name. Thank you to Austin, Texas, for being as awesome and accepting and, and open to new things, and I really see this growing. Also, if you would like to train, every Sunday at 10 o'clock, we have a sumo course. And I want to say thank you to Derek and Dark Clan Fight Lab because, you know, this wouldn't have happened uh, without them. So if anyone wants to know more info on Justin Kazart and U.S. Sumo, look at episode 13 from Sumo Kaboom because we did 45 minutes just with Justin that day. Thank you both so much for being willing to come on and talk about this consulate cup. We will definitely be watching the Saturday with our Texas sake. And we cannot wait to cheer you guys on. I appreciate you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I think... 
that is our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom. That's right. Thank you for listening. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for just asking us fun questions on social media. We always just love talking to you guys and staying involved in the community. Thanks for sharing us. So many of you have been sharing us and we can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll see you next week. See y'all later. Sayonara. Sayonara.